ride with me in my foul life. Podcast World, what's up? Chad, back at you. Another episode of The Foul Life. Thank you all so much for joining us today. I'm excited, <clears throat> excuse me, about today's episode. Today's episode of The Foul Life Podcast, again, is brought to you by our friends at Gerber Blades. Check out Gerber and remember to stay sharp. America, always be safe with your knife, but never leave home without it. Like I've said before, our UTVs, ATVs, our boats, our trucks, everywhere we go, our blind bags, our toolboxes, our front jean pocket has a Gerber knife in it. You never know when you're going to need the dependability and reliability of a Gerber blade. Stay Sharp America. Use it for everything from processing and butchering, building a blind, making sure that you got a sharp blade in that duck blind to cut up your deer salami on a cutting board to give to your hunting partners. Whatever you need, Gerber's going to be there. Hatchets, saws, folding blades, open blades, straight blades. Gerber does it. Made in America, made in Oregon. Thank you so much for supporting Gerber blades and gerber gear today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends out of the bluegrass state of kentucky mallard view outdoors the honey hole if you want to keep your honey hole open if you want to ensure that ducks and geese stay around all the way through the late season and where applicable where legal awesome decoy motion and movement churning that water up kicking the sediments up remember ducks and geese are always moving at least their feet even when they're sleeping on the water check out mallard view outdoors and the ice eaters that they make we're going to talk about those more today because not only is today's episode of the foul life podcast brought to you by mallard view outdoors i have the founder and co-owner i say co-owner because i know his wife melissa is probably not too far from hearing range josh tishner how are you my man great man glad to be here i'm glad you're here buddy you look like you just shaved today you look clean cut is that's cannot be your quarantine beard you had to have cut up today i did get shaved up today mama made me mama made me that's a song right there mama made me shave so uh kentucky you got a lot of different things going on besides mallard view you have a tree cutting business and what else what else are you running in right now what else you got going on in the tishner enterprises uh, we got a tree cutting business, commercial and residential. We got a lawn care business. We started when we were about 12 years old. General contractors for a uh, chicken processing plant here close to home. And I uh, got a towing business. So uh, we stay pretty busy. We're farming. I'm, me and my son started farming last year. So pretty blessed. And you said you made reference earlier that it's been long ago and getting the corn in the ground just because the ground's so wet and the rain won't quit. Nah, it's just been very cold and wet, and today it's rained a half an inch, and seems to be the new norm down here. It uh, it dries up for two or three days, and about the time the planters and tractors get in the field, it rains again, and we got a small window to get a big crop in the ground. Y'all don't get very cold temperatures in Kentucky, do you, as far as like a lot of snowfall and a lot of freezing temperatures throughout the year? Does it stay pretty mild down there, or do you do you, do you you fight cold temperatures quite a bit in Kentucky? Well, you know, that's what kind of, that's what drove this idea of Mallard View about 13, 13 years ago was, uh, you know, it's kind of a trendy, I guess you would say. We'll go three or four years and it'll be extremely cold. We'll get a lot of snowfall. Then we may go four or five years and be mild. Unfortunately, we've been mild for the last two or three years. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, we've had to rely more on these deals for ice eaters for uh, decoy movement and we have ice prevention. So as far as the ice prevention part of it goes, Josh, take me back to that day you said, man, there's got to be a way that we can keep this water from freezing, keep it moving, keep it aerating, keep it circulating. 
what are you what's going through your head are you on a duck hunt you know a lot of ideas are out of necessity they come out of man i wish we had this and then you go in your shop you know i've told the story on this podcast before with the owners of bodyguard bumpers you know their dad hit a a cow with a truck on accident and it dented up the front of their truck he goes and shows his son his son's like well i want to fix that and then uh you know the business and the brand was spawned out of that take me back to the roots of it it's ironically enough, if I could turn my computer around, I can't get it to show that far, but my duck hole was right off my right shoulder and uh, looking out over the deck toward the river and the slough. But, uh, you know, we, we, we grew up duck hunting from many, many years ago, and I got a lot of buddies, and, you know, they played around, and we'd all played around with different things. But my four-acre duck hole down here by the river, every time we would get a lot of mallards, late season, it'd be froze up, you know, two or three inches of ice. We don't occur what you guys did, you know, do with 12, 14, 16 inches of ice. We generally get two inches is a pretty good freeze anymore. Uh, but it, but nevertheless, we'd be froze up. So, uh, you know, when we would have ducks, we would either, we tried backing out boards with, you know, our, 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 our boats down in the water and churning them with the props. And of course that was not a long-term viable option. We tried busting it up with our side-by-sides and all we did was tear up boots and front axles. That wasn't a viable uh, option as well long term either of course so so we knew there had to be an option so we got to thinking and we got to looking and we we uh, got to making contact with a company called the powerhouse up in maryland and they've been building ice eaters since 1978 great bunch of people you know they had a proven design uh rock solid design dependability so we chose at that point, not to try to reinvent the wheel, so to say, we come up with a shallow water stand of our, you know, we come up with a shallow water stand, we paired it with their proven uh, motor design, and hence Smaller View Outdoors started roughly 2008, like you say, out of necessity. And, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing when we first started, Chad, we would, uh, we'd get one, I'd get one or two frames welded up here at home. And uh, Missy would get the kids in bed because they was youngsters then. And uh, so she'd get them in bed. Then I would come to the house, go to bed because I had to work the next day. And she would go down there in the barn and she would paint them. So we'd have two or three to sell the next day. So uh, that's kind of how it all started, man. So what, how's the conversation go, Josh, with powerhouse? Do they look at you like you want to do what for a, what? Like you, you want us to get in the duck hunting business or did you, did they have a hard time believing it at first or had they heard it? I mean, obviously they didn't because y'all were the first ones to come to market as far as duck hunting goes with the ice eater. Mallard view, you know, we are proud to be the original, the originators of this deal. You know, the actual motor design, like I said, has been around for a long, long time and that was proven but Mallard View was the we was the first ones to bring the concept of pairing the shallow water stand with the with the proven motor to the waterfowl market and market it in that aspect. So I still remember the conversation with with Mike Meyer of Powerhouse right out here on my front deck overlooking my duck hoe, uh, you know, and I called him. He called me back, and we talked for three or four hours. And, uh, you know, they was a smaller type company with a, a niche company with an awesome product. And, uh, and I told him that, man, there was a need out there and together we could, we could, we could fulfill that need. And, uh, he liked, he liked our ideal and, uh, we, we, we did our homework on them as a company and decided that's who we wanted to pair with as far as the proven motor design. 
and uh, man, it's just been it's just been good. It's been a good ride, and it's just been fun. So as far as like coming out of a necessity, and the the brand is born, it's spawned right there. Mallard View Outdoors. Why? Why is the name Mallard View? Is this something to do with where you live and your four acre duck hole and looking over that part of the river? And are you looking at it like this is the view of, of the Tishner family? It's just the Mallard view. Or were you in the mindset like, man, this is going to have the opportunity to provide a view of Mallards for a lot of duck hunters across the country when late season comes? You can say it both ways, man. There's truth in both both parts of that statement. Absolutely. If you look at my address, my address is Mallard View Drive. So uh, we, we are perched up on a hill. We're overlooking our duck hole. You know, we got a seven acre slough that borders just on one side and we got the Green River on the other side. We can see both of them from up on the hill. And uh, so it was a, it was a, you know, it was a two part deal. You know, we did move here first before we started the company. So Mallard View Drive, you know, that part of it was there. Of course, the name came out of, out of, we could look out off our deck and see Mallards and listen to them. And it was just an awesome piece. And, you know, we've always had the desire and the passion for waterfowl hunting. So uh, it just all kind of played itself in together, meshed together. And when you start saying like Melissa's down here at night and you're up there tending to the kids and sleep and getting some hours and, you know, a shut eye for the next morning, because you're not, this isn't full time yet. Probably never was going to be full time just because of your work ethic. You're going to keep all your businesses going. So you're up early and you're going to bed late. Melissa's down there, you know, painting a few of them. Is it mainly spreading in the local community because one of your hunting buddies sees it? You call a guy maybe down in Southeast Missouri, they get a freeze once in a while, maybe Western Tennessee once in a while but um that you know now the brand is everywhere we've hunted with them all over the place but at that time are you mainly selling them to buddies and and giving them a discount on it or do you go national right away we started out we started out with a business size ad in the back of du magazine and uh with with very marginal results so uh we uh you know we was a little nervous to start with to be honest with you then and then uh we got an opportunity to about the wildfowl magazine and that's when things really took off we got a good ad of wildfowl and i still remember uh aaron Eric mccauley and tony vandemore they was our first big customers at habitat flats in sumner missouri they bought seven or eight of them right out of the gate so we got to go up with them and uh as luck would have it one of them got dropped on the ups truck and shattered the uh the bell so i hand personally delivered a new bell we, we went to, uh, I think we went up there to a, to a, uh, a little deal that uh, I think Presley's Outdoors had it. So we swung by there on our way home and I delivered them a new bell and uh, got to see them, got to check out the, uh, what they had going on. And from there, it just kind of took off, man. I mean, they seen the value of them. And of course, they started talking and, and things got to going online and the advertisements really picked up and we've just been blessed, man. It, uh, been a good good product very dependable and you know can't hide it can't hold it down man people just talking and it just took off and as you start to see it grow do it does does stress come over you does does manufacturing have to increase josh do you have to go out and build a bigger shop do you still currently build them on your family property how i mean i'm sure that the the, the, the 
at least the technique of manufacturing, the welding, the fabrication, how has it advanced? And how did, when did you see that? Like, man, me and Melissa can't just keep splitting time now and me welding two or three of these suckers and then her painting them at night. When does that start? Is it, is it like right after Vandemore gives you that first order after that first wildfowl ad, or does it take a couple of years to come into fruition to get real busy? Everything, you know, when it first started out, we was, we were doing them ourselves. And, uh, and then I had a good friend, Alan Bledsoe. He would, he started uh, welding them up for us. And then Missy's dad, he actually, uh, he actually started welding some for us. And then we realized that we just couldn't, we couldn't handle it on our own. So, uh, we went outside, started looking at, uh, fabrication shops that we could do more. And then of course we, we trans went, went from rust oleum paint was what we started with to powder coat. And, uh, you know, then we started buying them in larger quantities and that really took a lot of stress off of us when we knew we could, we could, we had an outlet to get our stands made and they would come to us in a box and, uh, you know, we would just put them in our warehouse and of course powerhouse, they was, you know, they're, they're assembling our motors our our, our made in America motors. So, uh, then, you know, it was a big deal for us when we went from plain plaid cardboard boxes to our, our Mallard view logo, getting all of our logos on our boxes. You know, that was a big deal. So now it just turns into a deal of, uh, you know, we're still, we still do it all ourselves. So if somebody calls Mallard View, they're going to talk to Melissa or myself. And, uh, you know, nowadays, Caitlin and Colton's getting 18 and 16. So there's a chance that uh, you may get to talk to Caitlin, the second generation. So uh, that's pretty fun. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's progressed. It's progressed. Our advertising has progressed, dealing with fine folks like the Foul Life. And yourself has really got us a lot of publicity and uh, just people hunting over them and realizing that this is not a gimmick. This is the real deal, uh, real deal product that's going to stay with you for a long term. And uh, it's just fun. It's fun to promote that type of a product. And what, give me your idea. Give me your, 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 your mallard view, Josh Tishner now of what happens the first hunt, the first time you, are you watching the forecast and you're just begging for low temperatures to get some ice? Cause you're like, bring it, come on, good Lord, bring some ice. We're ready for you this year. And our, tell me the play by play of what's going on that season, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And what you and your buddies are doing, you're running, are you generators? Are you running long extension cords from your front deck? Um, we're going to get into the application of the Mallard view ice eater here in a second. Um, and how we've utilized it. And we can talk about that and, and what, the short the stories that you and I have shared, but give me the rundown of that first hunt and how it laid out. Well, here's the deal, man. I mean, whether it's my hole here at my house, and we do 90% of our hunting in a, in a community called Rochester, Kentucky, with a great buddy named Shane Wells, and uh, he would flood 10, 12 acres of corn. So we would go to all the expense and all the trouble of planting the corn. You know, of course, we wouldn't we wouldn't harvest it. It would just it would be standing in the field and. Uh, you know, we had a pit and all this. So we'd go to all the expense of all of that laying the groundwork to be able to attract the ducks. And then we'd be locked out because of ice, you know, of course. So we brought the first ice eaters down there and uh, we, we used the Honda generators. And when we first started out, you know, man, it was just amazing because we, we, we looked forward to the cold temperatures because not only was the decoy movement, but, uh, you know, the, the slogan keeping the honey hole open there is nothing more amazing than having a a nice uh a nice hole that's open water that's out there moving your decoys are bouncing and, and jumping around and uh and them ducks just they hear the dinner bell i mean they're coming for you they're coming looking for dinner 
and uh, it's just fun. It, it adds a whole new deal to it. So and we realized right then very quickly that uh, we was on to something and we had to bring it to the rest of the people. And and now it starts to spread and you start to probably see success stories. Yeah, did it? That, just talk, talk to me a little bit about those first couple success stories and the picture. And, you know, social media wasn't around back then. So I don't know if some people were texting you or were they calling you? What? Give me some of the ideas, you know, what, what your first encounters with the general customer was and the results they were seeing. Do you remember that at all? Absolutely. You know, and, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll lay it out there right now. The credit, the credit to Malerview Outdoors is uh, very much Melissa. You know, she answers thousands of phone calls and uh, talks to more duck hunters, I'm guessing, than any woman in this world. Uh, she knows more about generators and ice eaters and cord links and, you know, just the details. And she likes to hunt as well. And uh, but when, when that phone started ringing, uh, you know, our phones would just absolutely light up about about the time hunters would start coming in from the field, you know, across the country. The phones would just start blowing up. So she was trying to make dinner and talk, talk to duck hunters and ice eaters. On She'd have the phone in one hand talking about ducks and ice eaters and trying to make dinner all at the same time. And so we realized that, man, we it was working. And, uh, you know, as as one person in a community had a couple of them, well, the word would get out and then we would hear that, hey, our neighbors got one. We got it. We figured out what was going on. We want one. And and, uh, you know, it's, that's what it was a lot of fun. And we have built so many positive, long lasting relationships all over the country with people that continue to call on a regular basis. And, you know, everybody wants to send you pictures. And when you can accident, when you can actually change a person's season, because they was going to the same trouble we was as far as planting crops and 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 going to all the necessities and laying the foundation for a successful season and then to be froze out by Mother Nature. Well, now we have a new tool in our arsenal that we can kind of put Mother Nature on the back burner, you know, so she can't really dictate our success or failure anymore. So if I had to guess, <clears throat> was Melissa cold calling dealers or were the dealers, was the did the demand get so, like, you know, out of hand as far as like selling direct now all of a sudden there had to have been some calls from some dealers coming in was it was it the big boxes was it chuck lock at max prairie wings who was the first one do you remember that day when you and melissa are like oh my gosh we're going to be on the map now we got we got actual retail outlets that want to stock these and put them in their inventory or their catalogs you know give us floor space do you remember the first instance of a national dealer when it first started you know we, we got to go to a couple little small deals like with Presley's and uh, Rogers. But I made I made two trips to Stuttgart, Arkansas. Billy Jack Albertson, great friend of mine down in Bisco, Arkansas. Uh, he had done a lot of work and knew the guys up at Max and uh, Matt Spoon, the gunsmith. I had hunted with Matt for several years before, prior to Mallard View Outdoors. So uh, he's, and I talked to Matt, he said, you just gotta come see Chuck face to face. So we made two trips to Arkansas. And, uh, and I stood in that store for six to seven hours one day and seen Chuck go by 200 times and he never would slow down enough to talk to me. So we drove seven hours back home and, uh, about two weeks later, we went back to meet him again. And he finally, he had, he had, uh, been asked a couple of times by some, by some people. So we got the chance to go back and that time we sat down and talked and, uh, you know, we uh, we put some in the store and we got in the catalog and uh, they have, you know, 
through the through the wonderful dealer network that we have established, it just took off from there. And then we still, you know, Melissa still sells. She's still uh, MountainViewOutdoors.com and directly with Missy, you know, she still sells a large percentage straight out of our shop as well. When does it happen to where you see rumblings of a competitor? And the reason I ask is I know you're a great businessman, Josh Tishner, and I know you stay in your lane, but this is something that now other people get get wind of. Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. But here's the deal. Nobody, and I mean nobody, and I've looked at all of them, and I'll say this to anybody that wants to sit down and talk, nobody has done it the way you guys have with the quality, the toughness, the reliability, the dependability, everything that comes with the structure of the frame. Is it the powerhouse that sets it apart? Is it the frame? I don't want you to give any, you know, any information or details of the industry that you don't want out there, but what was the feeling when you were you like, gosh, dang it. Why are they trying to knock us off? Or were you like, Hey, let's just stay in our lane and we're going to stay Mallard view and the quality is going to stay there. We're going to put the customer out front. We're going to put the ducks out front and, and give me an idea of when that first competitor popped up. Well, I'm going to answer this as a two, two part question. You asked about, you know, the design and you know, that kind of stuff. The first time I realized our stand is a fairly simple design, but I have believed from day one and I still believe in the KISS methodology. Keep it simple. Because when I told you I went up to Habitat Flats with Tony Vandemore, it was our first, probably one of our first uh, big orders. And uh, and I got to go out and hunt with them guys for an afternoon. And uh, Tony put that thing out there. And we really needed about two or three more inches of depth to make it right. And, and you know, Tony's a pretty big guy. And I sat there and watched him jump up and down on the ice eater frame, just pounding it in the, in the ground to get two or three more inches of depth to get below the, to get below the surface of the water. So that was a large eye opening experience for me as a uh, business owner that this thing had to be reliable and built strong and simple because they are going to get abused in every sense of the word and every sense of the imagination. So that's when we knew that it had to stay extremely stout, not super complicated because you was going to, in the environment that we hunt in, that was going to create problems. So that's when we decided to keep it very simple. So, uh, and the second part of your question, as far as competition, ironically, our first competition, we didn't really have any competition for about six or seven years. We was blessed to pave the road, really get the dealer's, in tow and on board with our advertising. And we really got a strong footprint in the market as the original uh, before anybody came. But ironically, the competition came from about five miles down the road. We had a guy that was paying attention and uh, he thought he could, he thought he could play with us. So he tried his own design and uh, you know, so we knew it was time to get serious at that point. Is he still in business? No, sir. <clears throat> was he a friend before he said, I'm going to try what the Tishners are doing? No. He was a stranger. No, he was just a fellow duck hunter. And, uh, you know, that's what that was all about. So, I mean, the word got out. And, you know, we live in a small community. And uh, I guess I guess you could say all I can really say was the FedEx truck after it left us and the UPS truck after it left our shop, it went to their place last. And uh, – he got to pay attention to the boxes on the truck. 
What's the, fur- the best way to say it? What's the furthest one away you've heard of, Josh? Have you gotten stories of where's the furthest one? Is it northern Canada, or do you have something in your head that's even further away from where you live? Because I can imagine like taking that out of that piece of property and going, man, me and Melissa are fabricating these. We're painting them. We're put. We, you know, we we've already got the 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 fan and all of our unit put together. And and you see it start to spread into Arkansas and SEMO and Tennessee and then and now I mean God I, I can I can name you a ton of places I've seen them. What's the furthest one you remember seeing away? Uh, you know I guess Northern Kansas probably. I mean we got just scuds and guds of them in, in the Dakotas and all up north and uh, you know but we got several of them in Canada. You know so that that's a lot of fun knowing that we have we've stretched out that far and and now you know the market that we're chasing is is the South you know, more for the decoy movement because, uh, you know, it's, it's proven, it's proven what they do in ice, uh, you know, and so now we're chasing that, uh, that decoy movement more, but it is a lot of fun and a person's got to take a little personal satisfaction and it's kind of taking a moment and sitting back and, and, uh, just looking at what you can do. And cause let me tell you something, man, the American dream is still alive and well, and that's a lot of fun. I love hearing it. Talk to me about this, Josh Tishner, about the actual unit now. Before we get into maintenance and maintaining the unit and what a guy or girl hunter can do um, to make sure that his or her ice eater lasts for years, which they do, we'll get into the warranty a little bit. You mentioned Vandemore. He's a big dude, ex-athlete. He probably weighs 200, 200, probably 220 pounds, maybe even bigger. He's jumping up on it. This spawns the idea of actually, you know, making it to where you, you, you talk, you touched on it with the frame. You can, you can, you know, make, you can even have uneven legs. You can undo the bolt and, and drop a leg. You can raise a leg. You can have it slanted. Talk to me about the aesthetics of the ice eater in, in a couple different ways, taking it out of the box and putting it together. Now you get to your hole, you can have, you push it down into the hole. If it needs to be lower, you can obviously adjust the leg height and, 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 the, and the way that the legs are formed. If there's a high spot in the ground, like I said, you can alter the legs, but talk to me about now you can actually manipulate the fan placement. You can undo some bolts and, and put your head up, your fan to face up. You can face it down. How do you use an ice? It's almost like, well, how do you use a mojo? Well, you just turn it on. No, that's not the case. Talk to me about how do you benefit the most out of an ice eater? And I'm just talking about for keeping a hole open, which is also going to allow moving water and obviously circulating water which is kind of the analogy moving water. is not going to freeze like still water freezes. That's what the ice eater does. How do you use it to maximize the capabilities of the unit? Here's the deal. And this is, you know, we, the trial and error is a, still a powerful tool. So, uh, you know, what we like to tell our customers is this. First thing you need to know is your prevailing wind direction. So if your wind's going to be blowing from your left to your right, you really want your ice eater, you know, we'll start out with water depth first. That's a good place to address. Ideal water depth is anywhere from two to five feet. Uh, we've got a lot of guys in Arkansas that hunt them in combine ruts. Uh, and all you have to do if you're a little shallower, take a shovel in five minutes and dig you a little hole out just so you can get the bell. The bell of the ice eater is roughly 15 inches. So you got you need at least 15, 16 inches of water depth to get it below the surface. So if you're only at 12 inches, you just dig out a little hole and, and get it in there. OK, you are a little little less limited with the water that shallow. But uh, <coughs> excuse me. But uh, get it under the water. We like them under the water about four to six inches, maybe 10 inches is fine. So check your check your prevailing wind. If the wind is blowing from your left to your right, 
you want to put the ice eater on your left side. Open up your hole a little bit on the left side into the wind and then let that wind carry that warmer water that you've created in that in that because what we're doing is we're moving the warmer water from down deep. We're moving that to the surface. So we're we're altering the temperature of the surface a little bit to say, and we're also moving that water. So the warmer water plus it moving obviously is what keeps it open. So what you want to do is is play the wind just like we do with our decoy setup. We want to create our actual hole on the upwind side and let that wind blow that, that warmer water and that moving water in front of us. And uh, therefore we get a larger hole and uh, you know, and uh, then we can manipulate where the birds want to be as well. But don't never set your ice eater up where it's facing into the wind because the current is fighting the wind. So let the wind be your friend and let it move that water past you and create a larger hole. Okay, so let's say that you get there and the temperature fools you. The forecast changes. You got ice already. You go in there and you break it. Might be a little bit thicker. You might have to stomp on it. You might have to axe it. You might have to sledgehammer it. You might have to chainsaw it. I've done it all. I've seen it all done, and I've done it all personally with our crew. Um, do you go around the hole and break up a bunch of the parts of that ice or do you set the ice eater in there and i want you to talk about it tishner in the in the head of a duck hunter you get there in the morning you you don't necessarily need to be there first light because the mindset needs to be this if it's that cold the ducks aren't probably going to be as active they're probably going to sit on the big water for a little bit longer they're going to do that to keep their body heat on that big water to keep it open because they know if they when they leave there if it's too early that's going to freeze solid and they're out their food sources are still open so they're staying in the area so they come off of the big water a little bit later i want I want to make sure that people always hear that you don't have to get in such a rush. Take your time. Do this right the first time to where you're not out there and you're trying to break chunks of ice and slide it under the other ice. Let the machine, the Mallard View Ice Eater, do its job. So now what I'm asking you is you get in there and it, it might happen to where it ran out of gas. It might happen to where you, the forecast changed and you didn't have the unit in there. You break open a hole, you put it in there. What's next? Do you go around and break it up with the shovel or the axe or the sledgehammer, Josh Tishner? Or do you just let that warm water start circulating, mounting that, melting that ice naturally and creating a natural hole? You know, there, there's two ways to look at that, Chad. You can absolutely, you can absolutely, ideal situation, of course, is to let it run all night. And, you know, then you it, it, it maintains the hole. It, it's open when you get there. But like you said, life's not always, it's not always perfect. We get dealt surprises. The generator can run out of gas. Uh, you know, heck, we've had muskrats chew, you know, chew cords in half. Weird things happen. So we have to adapt. So, you know, what I like to do is, uh, is uh, you know crank that baby up and pump as and you can change the angle of the ice here to where it's pumping more water up on top of the ice. The more of the water you get up on top, then you let the sun start working on that. That's been my, you know, that's what I've seen how to get the largest natural hole the quickest is to start pumping more water up on top. And you'll be surprised that when you pump two inches of water up on top of that ice and that sun starts hitting it. Heck, man, it looks natural, just like it's open water, and you can fool them that way as well, and buy yourself a little time. But uh, but the more water you can pump up on top, the warmer water it you know get with the sun, and uh, it's amazing how fast it will open it up. But uh, but if you're in a, if you're in a massive hurry, 
man, you can go out there and help it along a little bit. Uh, you know, you can bust some stuff up. I just caution people into busting up three or four inch chunks of ice into the size of your fist or the size of a football, because those things, uh, you know, this ice heater moves so much water, it can pull them around the back. And that's why we run screens on them is to keep those big chunks of ice from getting stuck through there and damaging a problem. So when you talk about the hole, Josh Tishner, you have, I want to talk about you have you, everything goes right and you have ice coming, you have lower temperatures coming, but you have, you're prepared and you have your ice eater, meaning singular one ice eater. Okay. Cause we're going to get into multiple units in a minute which is an unbelievable way to duck. It's like, I get giddy thinking about freaking Mallard view ice eaters because it is that time of year to where you're like, yes, like I forget about all the decoy motion in September, October. I'm talking about when this ice comes, this is the giddiest a duck hunter will ever feel in his or her entire hunting career is when they see what magic starts to happen. Once this, once things go your way with the temperature, the forecast, the, the ducks are hungry, they're migrating. You got new ducks in the area and voila, your hole is pristine. And when I say pristine, these Mallard View duck hunts look like a freaking masterpiece oil painting when the sun's right, the bluebird skies, the water. I mean, it's unreal to see the ice around it. But you know what I mean, Josh? Like, I get giddy talking about it. And like, I'm sure you could hear the change in my voice because I'm like, man, I remember this time in Iowa. I remember this time in Nebraska. I remember this time on this Oxbow. I remember this time in Colorado. It's amazing to see what this, these things can do for Mallard View. Talk to me now about one single unit. There's no wind, so you don't have to worry about left or right being upwind and letting the wind do its deal, okay? There's not going to be any wind. I'm talking zero to two miles an hour. Nothing that's going to do any anything in your advantage. How big of a hole can you keep open with one unit, with no wind, with just one ice eater from Mallory View Outdoors going? How big of a hole can you, have you seen kept open with just one overnight? You know, there, there is, we answer this question a lot. This may be, this may be, you may have just touched on the number one question that uh, Missy and myself answer. And, and, and the only correct answer is there is variables to that, Chad. Uh, take the wind out of the, take the wind out of the equation. Uh, you know, temperature does play a role, but, uh, and you know, the, if, if you've got two feet of ice and in a, in a hole versus two inches, of course, the hole with two inches is going to continue to get larger. Okay, but uh, we we traditionally see in just an average terminology, an average condition with temperature, we generally see a sixty to eighty foot circumference uh, with one ice eater. Sixty to eighty feet. Sixty to eighty feet circumference. That's right. And uh, and here's one secret. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let a secret out of the bag. Don't be afraid. When, you, when, when that ice eater runs for its first six or eight hours and, and you kind of see what it's going to do on its own with no manipulation and no help, do not be afraid to uh, maybe send the young buck in the blind out, but pick that ice eater up and take it out toward the edge. You know, take it out toward the edge of the hole and, and angle that thing up a little bit and just keep pumping more water up on top of the ice. And if you're willing to work with it a little bit, you can just keep getting a larger and larger hole as you go. 
you know, Josh, don't be afraid you, to move it around. When you talk about moving it around, safety first. Do you advise your ice eater user of Mallory View Outdoors to hit the generator to off or unplug the unit before any kid or any of the hunters, the, the strong guy in the bunch? Sometimes you'll have two guys with waders that are pretty maneuverable with waders, right? You don't want somebody going out there that's going to get a boot way down in the mud and trying to move the ice eater. It might take two or three days. The ducks are done flying. You get the most athletic dude out there, most athletic girl out there. Do you advise them to always turn off the generator or unplug the unit first we have to always think about safety first absolutely so kick that thing off kick it off uh you know for two reasons one number one foremost is safety absolutely uh number two is when you pick these things up they're churning so much water nobody wants to get a mist of water in their face you know but uh, that's secondary of course to safety so that's a very good point kick that generator off momentarily go out there and move it the way you want to and uh, get it moved up toward the edge and then crank it back up once you're back, once you're back in the bit. So I don't know how many times I've had to get on my iPhone and before the iPhone, my alarm clock, and I had to set every two hours, every three hours, I was not going to miss this hunt the next day. I was not going to take a chance. And I'm talking states like, you know, Eastern Oregon, Nevada, Colorado, Montana, North Dakota, anywhere I I can name where I've seen the ice come in a hurry. I wasn't going to miss the hunt. I'm, I'm going out there nonstop, making sure that my fuel levels are right, making sure that my generator is, is on and running. What is what is what is the most unbelievable thing you've seen, Tishner, with a with a fan or not the fan in the unit, but a fan of your brand or a customer? I've seen some apparatuses of fifty gallon drums plumbed into plumbed into the generator. I mean, talk to me about like the most the baddest ass setup you've seen of somebody going that extra distance to make sure that their ice eater didn't run out of fuel that night. Well, you know, there, there's all kinds of variables to that. You know, whether you've got guys out of necessity, you know, just good old boys in the country that uh, is running a small Honda generator and, like you say, a 50-gallon nurse tank. Uh, and, and, they, you know, they got them up on gravity and, and they're just dribbling gas into that generator. Whatever works for their own people, you know. But we got so many, so many people run these things off of generators with extended-run tanks. And then you get into your uh, – you get into your your duck club scenario. Don't even start talking about you know people that hardwire these in, Josh. Man, I know people. I know people <laughs> that runs them on LP. They got these big generators hooked up to LP, and they got a 500 gallon LP tank sitting out in the middle of a marsh. And uh, you know that that's a that's a not super common, but it happens. And then we've got guys that go to unlimited expense and unlimited uh, work just that way they hardwire these things because they know the value of them. You know, once they're, once their guys see what they do, they're going to have them. And if they have to run 1500, 2000 feet of, of hardwire under the ground to get to their outlets in front of each one of their duck holes so they can run two or three ice eaters, they do it. And it gets, it gets uh, pretty amazing to see the level of dedication that these guys will go to, to see the end product with the, with an ice eater, Mallory View ice eater. Talk to me about this, Josh Tishner, dogs, swimming dogs, sporting dogs, duck dogs, the most important part of the hunt to many duck hunters across the country. Um, we, we hunt with them. You cannot hunt water without a dog, period. How safe are the ice eaters for dogs? Do you have to have an unbelievably well-trained dog that listens to the whistle and watches hand commands to steer him or her clear from the ice eater? Or can they actually swim close to it 
I'm what I'm trying to say is, is there a chance that they could get sucked into it, pulled into it, wrapped up into it? Can they get a foot down into that great? Because that's another great safety option is you're great on top of the fan. And one of those things that it does is keep a dog out of there. Um, talk to me a little bit about dogs and how safe the Mallard View Ice Eater is for a, a, a dog to be around. You hit on a great point, man. Dogs are phenomenal, and uh, nothing adds more joy to a hunt than than a dog that you've trained and you've had your own experience in your own your own uh, your own trials and tribulations in communicating with that dog. Man, that that does add a tremendous tremendous amount to the hunt. Okay, so so back when we started this deal, we had we had dogs. We raised our own dogs, and we hunted with dogs religiously. So we 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 come up with the idea that we wanted a screen on the back of the ice eater as a, as an, it's not an option. It, it comes standard on there. So for two reasons, one is for the dog and two is it keeps chunks and logs and chunks of ice from sucking in the back. But to my knowledge and all, every ice eater we've ever sold, I have never answered the phone with a customer that's had any injury to a dog period. If you have a nice dog, everybody loves their dog. So if that is even a, if that's even a question in your mind, just go ahead and put a double screen on the front, put one on the front and one on the back. And, uh, you know, I like hunting with dogs that'll, that'll of course do hand signals, but a dog's pretty smart. They realize after about five minutes, uh, to swim around that ice eater, uh, we've just never had a problem with the dog. You know, they can swim in front of it and the current will push them a little bit, but uh, we've never had a problem or an issue that I'm aware of with a dog that's got gotten hurt or injured because of an ice eater. Can you say the exact same thing for a catfish or any fish? Has anybody ever called in and said, oh, we got fish sticks all of a sudden and they just they just see it start popping up in the air and, and fish parts landing on the wall? I can imagine that <laughs> some fish have ran into an ice eater. <laughs> you know, I guarantee you it's happened. Uh, turtles are fairly, uh, turtles are pretty tough. You know, turtles are aggravating, but I guess the number one, the number one problem with ice eaters is muskrats. Muskrats cause more trouble because they like the cords. They like to eat the cords. What that, the, that creates your most problem. Okay, so let's get into the best part about Mallard View Outdoors, the mallards. Now, you, I've, I've, can say Canada geese, a lot of Canada geese, and I mean a lot. Gravel pits in Colorado, off of the Platte River, Josh Tishner, where they they'll go out and they'll eat that that corn all morning. And they'll come back to these big decoy spreads where we got a ton of full bodies on the ice. And obviously, you know, we, we have three to four, sometimes five, six ice eaters running, depending on the size of the, the water and what we're trying to do. But then you got your floating rig in there. And I've seen groups of five, six, seven, a thousand lesser Canada geese at a time pile into a mallard view hole. Um, I've sent you lots of pictures. We've aired them on the foul life. The best part about Mallard View Outdoors is seeing the anticipation on a duck's or a goose's face when they see that hole because they're not ready for it. They're not prepared for it. They've seen a lot of Canada geese standing on the ice, but when you mix in the flash of moving water, bubbling water, floating decoys, 
butts, you know, bouncing in the little current where they see that. It is so much more realistic. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot have a very creative and very successful and very intense hunt over just full bodies on the ice. And, and I'm talking about an instance of where I've seen it even on rivers where there's so much ice that people can't go out that far and they don't want their floating rig out there. So they just rely on full bodies, mallard full bodies and Canada goose full bodies on the shoreline, on the ice out there a little bit, depending on how thick it is and if they can walk on it. Never have I seen birds react though when they come over those trees or they hear that call and see that first instance of the ice eater mixed with ice around it. Full bodies on the ice, we're able to walk in the shallow water, place our full bodies on the thicker ice, making sure that the ice isn't going to keep melting on the edges so we push them back far enough. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of things that have to go in your head. You have to have a complete playbook with a Mallard View ice eater. It's not just stick it out there and hunt because if you do that, you're going to run into things like like I'm talking about right now. Oh shit, the ice is breaking. I got to get all my full bodies off of it. You got you to anticipate all that. But never have I seen the reaction action by wild ducks and mainly mallards and wild Canada geese than when they see an ice, you know, ice with a hole in the middle of it created by your product with floating rig mixed with a full body rig. That is the best part about your brand. And I get giddy about it because I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times of just, nope, feet down, committed. What in the heck is going on? We just got a new push of buddies that are down here keeping this hole open. The calling sounds realistic and obviously your hide's good. And sometimes I don't even know if you need a really good hide with the Mallard View because they're coming. Do you know what I mean? Does that ring a bell to you over at all over the last 13 years, Josh? Absolutely, man. They got the same thing on their mind that I've got in my mind when I'm sitting down to a big medium rare T-bone steak. Yeah. They're coming to the honey hole, baby. They're coming to eat, you know, uh, we've, uh, we, we've, uh, we've altered that situation just a little bit. And like you said, it's fun. It makes you giddy. And, and I think, you know, they're probably a little giddy too, because, because it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're coming in there and it looks awesome. And, and it's just fun. That's, and that's part of being a waterfowl hunter is, is that anticipation and that excitement that I can hear in your voice. And, you know, and, uh, it's just fun, you know, and it's fun for us to know that we have, uh, that we've altered a lot of guys and gals hunting situations and strategies across the country that we that they're allowed to have more fun as well just like we do so that's a lot of, that's cool I, I want to make it really clear though josh to our listeners of what i've experienced of I, I, I understand flooded corn and I get it. And I know that it's, it's, it's very, you know, prominent in duck hunting areas, right? You can keep flooded corn open for a buffet for eating. As long as it's legal, as long as it's traditional farming means, as long as you abide by the law and the ethics of duck hunting and respect the resource, then do it. And the ice eater allows you to do it. But with that being said, there's also something to be said about day loafs that are a resting or a safe haven or security for waterfowl. They might not go all the way back to the big water if they don't have to. If you can intercept them and get between the feed and the big water or even if you get between the big water and the feed in the first thing in the morning, I don't know how many mallards and Canada geese we've called in, you know, cause they'll transition water from big to little before they go out and eat. They'll let that sun keep coming up. They'll just move a little closer to the buffet and they'll let that sun come up. And it's got to, because it's got to melt the earth. It's got to get that temperature up. Those corn kernels got to soften up. No, no duck or goose wants to go in there and be beat ice with their beak. Right. Or frost. Right. So, 
you got to keep that in mind. We can get them in the morning because they're going to transition to smaller water before they go out and eat. And then once they've eaten, now we can they're going to transition back to that big water or they're going to find a day loaf that has nothing to do with eating. They might pop their head under the water if they got guts and they really want to get cold to find an invertebrate or a little piece of seaweed floating around, whatever, right? But those day loaf hunts where you're not really blowing up the roost, but you are getting those ducks and those geese from going back to the roost and you're saying, look at our spread. And that is where the realism comes in created by an ice eater hole. A mallard view hole is picture perfect. You cannot recreate it with an axe. You cannot recreate it with the best pair of banded waders in the world and getting out there and kicking up water. It stirs the sediments. It creates the chocolate milk effect. It gives it the right glare, the right sheen, the right shine. The decoys and their butts are bouncing up and down. And then you got your full bodies on top of the ice. Like I said, you can't paint a better waterfowl picture in America. There's not a sea duck hunter. There's not a dry land pea field hunter in Canada. There's nobody that's ever going to persuade me. Maybe the flooded timber of Arkansas. Maybe. <laughs> and even, even that's more more beautiful when the ice comes and you could put a little ice eater in those holes because now we both we both will agree that mallard ducks in the timber love a current that is like the best way to kill ducks in the in the timber is to get a little bit of a current so all i'm saying is that those day loafs those those mid-afternoon holes after that morning feed they are the best. So you just got to, there's so many different variations that you can create with the temperature, the ice, the forecast, and then your decoy motion is long, again, as long as it's legal. Are there states, Josh Tishner, that you've heard of that once the sun comes up and legal shooting hours are in and you're hunting over that hole, are there states that require you to pull that quarter, turn that generator off and not be able to hunt over a running mallard view ice eater? I'm not, I'm not personally aware of, of state by state. What I would say is check your local listings and check your local guides because I'd hate to step out on a limb and say something that wasn't true. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not aware of any, but I'm going to tell you to check your, own, check your own law books and your own guidebooks and make sure that everything's on the up and up. And what about what we, we we touched on before, Josh Tishner, on the maintenance? Is there, do you WD-40? Do you put some good gun oil anywhere in this? Can you keep the fan in better condition? Are there, th obviously you're checking your cords all the time and making muskrats aren't messing with those. Are there some secrets that you can give the, the male or female duck hunter that's going to either look at his or her first purchase of a Mallard View Ice Eater? Or they might have 10 of them in their arsenal already. They'd carry them in their trailer. They got them in their barns right now. And they're all just anticipating the dog days of summer getting over so they can start thinking about those colder temperatures. They go to grab them, they put them in the hole, and boom, something's up. Is there something that we can do to prevent anything from happening? Do you offer a warranty? Can we send the unit back? Can we get replacement parts? What are some of the things that we can expect when we become a customer of Mallard View Outdoors? Through trial and error, through trial and error in many years and many wonderful customers, here's, here's, the, here's the skinny on the deal. Um, you know, when you, when you deal with Mallard View, you're going to deal with Melissa or myself. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you call us and you're going to talk to us personally. All right. With that being said, the Malibu Ice Eater has got a full three-year warranty. So if you have any problems at all, you, you contact us. Of course, you can send us back. And, and, and we never want our customers to think, well, we don't want to run these things all night long because we don't want to wear them out. Here's what I've got to tell the, here's what I've got to tell the duck hunting community. You run these things 24-7, 365 if you wish. You try to wear them out. If you have any trouble within three years, I don't care if you run them every day, 24 hours a day. You send them back to us, and uh, we're going to take care of the situation regardless. You know, um, 
one thing that's very, very important with ice eaters is if you're going to be running them and, you know, some easy things to hear, here's the deal. As far as extension cords, pay attention to your voltage. Do not go to Walmart and buy 50 cheap, uh, small gauge, you know, extension cords and, and keep tying them together because that's the number one way to tear an ice eater up. If you're going to add any type of cord to the to our factory length of cord, uh, it needs to be a minimum of number 10 gauge. Uh, and I like SO cord, and that means it's stranded outdoor cord. And that means it's flexible and you can bend it. But, uh, you know, cord length is a whole new topic. You know, don't get crazy. If you have any question with the cord length of what you should or what you shouldn't add, uh, go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to answer that question and steer you in the right direction as far as that. So here, here's another thing. While, while we're talking about this, I'm just going to go through the maintenance and a little bit about that. So how do I, as a duck hunter, how do I protect my investment in a Mallard View ice eater? Because I want it to last for 10, 15 years. Here's what you got to do. Is use it hard during season, you know. So when you pull when you pull it out of your duck hole, you wouldn't believe how many people leaves these things in the mud and the muck and the and in the in the in the marsh from year to year. We don't suggest that at all, but it does happen. So I like to see you pull it out. Of course, on the T handles, loosen those things up. Put a little anti-seize on your T handles. Check your cord. Run your hands down the cord. Make sure no muskrats have uh, has dangered the cord. And really the only maintenance there is, is I'd like to store them with the propeller toward prop pointed down toward the ground. And that lets that oil keep that seal lubricated, you know, behind the shaft. And that's really all you have to do. Lubricate your T-handles, check your cord and uh, store it prop down and wait till next year. Josh, if I, if I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask this i guess the simplest way to ask it josh tishner is how long will an ice eater run on one gallon of gas and does it matter how thick the ice is does it matter how cold the water is does it matter if there's current and that fan's pushing in certain ways obviously you said get it up wind or up current and and, and let it flow with the current or if it has to create its own current get it up wind and let the wind help out naturally but will it run for 10 hours on one gallon of gas or are these things gas hogs they're not bad at all. On, on these little Honda generators, be it the EU2200, EU2000, or the Honda 3000, what we generally see across the board is four to five hours per runtime uh, per gallon of gas. You know, if you run two ice eaters on a Honda 3000, it may run four hours. But uh, a lot of guys are seeing five hours of runtime per gallon of gas. So when, when somebody becomes a customer, what can they expect as far as on top of the unbelievable, unparalleled customer service that you and your wife, Missy, provide through Mallard View Outdoors? Can we, are, you a, are you a dealer for a generator? Do you have the expertise to lead the customer in the right direction for the best whisper watt generators out there? Is it a Yamaha? Is it a Honda? Are you guys a dealer for this type of stuff? Is it a one-stop shop or does the duck hunter have to be prepared for him or her to be like, oh, well, I got my ice eater now. Now I got to go to this store and now I got to go over here and get this tools. Once you buy the kit from you, are they ready to roll? We've got access to Honda generators. We can do all the extended run tanks, whether it be four gallons or excuse me, six gallons or 24 gallons or 40 gallons. But uh, we offer packages, you know, with generators, extended run tanks and the ice eater, one-stop shop. One-stop shop. So 
is this become a year-round business to where I can call right now and get a couple delivered, or do you wait until will you wait until September to start making them? It's a twelve-month out of the year job. You know, it uh, it's a full-time job for Missy. You know, along with being a mom, she's a she's a she talks ducks twelve months out of the year. You know, it never stops. Man, you're lucky to have her. Oh, I'm blessed, man. Let me tell you. Can she out hunt you? you? Huh? Can she out hunt you? She can outshoot me, and I'm gonna tell you a quick story on her. This is something she she she'll get me for, but it's all right. Billy Jack Albertson's down in Bisco, Arkansas, and we hadn't been married six months, maybe. And uh, I don't think this is prior to we, us taking her to Canada hunting honkers, but we was down there in the mud and in the flooded bean fields and rice fields, and and uh, oh, Billy Jack, you just gotta know him. And uh, so me, her, and me and Billy Jack and Melissa was in this blind and this pair of spoonbills. They was coming at us and. Billy Jack looked at me and he said, look at that. And she raised up and she smacked them both. And she said, look at there. I just, uh, I just killed me a pair of singles. And, uh, she thought they was mallards and they were spoonies, but she couldn't have been any more prouder no matter what they was. But yeah. She's a pretty good shot. She can shoot them, huh? She can shoot them up. And, and uh, she likes, she enjoys going out there. Probably not quite as much as she used to. We've got her busy and, but, uh, but she's a, she's a fun gal. Knows a lot about ducks and a lot about ice eaters for sure. So knowing that it's a family business and knowing that how much love and admiration you have for your family, you help, you have a huge fan base and customer base. Now, how would you describe the culture of Mallard view outdoors being the founder, knowing what you were doing to get the brand and company off the ground, knowing you the, the slow grow. And then all of a sudden the snowball effect and momentum just takes place and you just, it gets out of control, busy. What is the culture today, Josh? 13 years later, you're a Southern man. You love good country music. You love a good biscuit. You love a good sunrise. You love your kids. You love the good Lord and church. Does all of that wrap up into the culture of Mallard View Outdoors and seeing that sunrise and those Mallard ducks do what they're put on earth to do, and that's give it up right into the kill hole of a decoy spread and a hole opened up by a Mallard View Outdoors ice eater? Hey, let me tell you something right now, this weird, interesting situation that we're all involved in right now with this COVID deal. And I've told a lot of my buddies this. If, uh, you know, we, we can't go to church right now during this time, but a man can absolutely get up and watch the sun come up and realize that the good Lord and God works in mysterious ways and that we can absolutely enjoy this beautiful creation that he has given us. And, uh, you know, the, the business is just one aspect of life, Chad. You know, it's being able to be a small, small town man and, and have a great family that's involved. And like you said, you know, the aspect of just watching the suns come up, the sunrise come up and the sunset go down and realize that we're just a small piece in this great big picture and uh, try to leave this world a better place than we found it. You know, that, that's what makes me giddy, you know. And, and uh, if we can add the passion of waterfowl hunting in there with that, man, it's just, it's, it's great. And we are so blessed to be a part of it. All right. Fast twitch questions. If, if you only got to eat one more of Missy's meals, what's it going to be? Oh man, put me on the spot. I would have to be, I don't know. She cooks a mean steak. Uh, she cooks, she's just pretty decent cook, man. She's, she's good. Okay. Let she's me rephrase it. If it's going to be one of Missy's last Southern meals, is it breakfast? Is it grits? How Southern is Kentucky? Are you South of the Mason Dixon line? Are you a Southern boy? Or do you like a good Southern breakfast? You've been to Arkansas with me. You've had Mr. Billy's at Prairie Wings with the grits and the fried bologna. Can Missy cook? Can she throw down on a Southern boy's breakfast when you come off your tractor or out of a duck hunt or you guys get back? Can she throw down? I know you hunt together quite a bit. 
What's your last meal going to be Southern style? Oh, I don't know, man. I like I like my steaks. I like my steaks and potatoes. Steaks and potato. Okay, so I'm it's not a Southern potato kind of man. Okay, so what's the song that you're listening to when you're out in your shop tonight and you're putting together some? You're getting ready to get, uh, you know, get you know, get a big job done tomorrow in the tree cutting and the lawn business or the towing. What song is Josh Tishner listening to, or which band or which singer? Man, I've always had four or five good old reliables that don't ever let me down. I guess that's got to be old Hank and a country boy. And uh, Copperhead Road, that's hard to beat. It's hard to beat old Steve Earl, Copperhead Road. You know, Daryl went down Georgia. And I'm not I'm not a bit ashamed to uh, throw in a little Jerry Clyer and listen to a lot of Jerry Clyer. We got a dog named Marcel Ledbetter, if I tell you anything. <laughs> I love it. Are you a fan of bro country, Josh Tishner, or do you and Melissa, a.k.a. Missy, do, would you rather listen to some Merle and Hank, or do you like it when it comes on with a little Florida Georgia line, or do you look at each other and go, this ain't country music? How do you react to that stuff? You know, I've always been a little more traditional. I'm not going to lie to you, but I got two kids. You know, Caitlin's 18, Colton's 16. They're into the, uh, they're into the little newer generation stuff, and, and I'm starting to appreciate that a little more. So, you know. But uh, but I've always probably been a little more old school. I like it. I like it. If you go out into your driveway, and I know the quality in a product is everything to you. I mean, you you make your re- you make your livelihood. You feed your family. You put food on the table through providing a quality product nationally in the duck hunting community. Would Chad Belding expect to see a Ford truck in your driveway since they're the best trucks ever made? And if you tell me something else, I might have to hit the stop record button. Well, you're probably going to see more Duramaxes. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh. But I also think you can get more corn planted in a crooked road. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, I'd be the first one to say I'm proud. I don't even know how long we've been partners, but I know it's almost 10 years. It's got to be. Right. It's got to be climbing to 10 years, huh? It's been a while, and we've been blessed, and we look we look forward to seeing where this thing's going to go. Man, we, I can't we, wait. You know, with with good partners, good products. And uh, good people, man, you surround yourself with those things. And uh, we'll just have to see where it goes, man. The Lord's blessed us this far, and there's no doubt it's going to, I hope it'll continue. But uh, you, you had talked to me earlier about a couple of, of points, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a couple of points here real quick. If I could say three things to our customers, number one, it's going to be thank you. Thank you for your business, and thank you for your support. And, uh, you know, our, our phone lines are always open. And when you and I'll tell you this, if you've got a problem on a Friday or Saturday, uh, call us up. You're not going to get a recording. You're not going to have to wait till Monday morning at at eight oh one for us to answer the phone. We're going to answer the phone. The, the customers, the duck hunters, the the passion of the duck hunters is what's made Mallard View Outdoors successful, and we are dedicated to keeping that philosophy exactly the way it is. So uh, you know, thank you. Number one, number two. Some quick advice is uh, this. You was talking about Ford trucks, and I, I guess that's okay. I won't I won't knock you down for that. But uh, wh- what do you have under the back bed in that Ford truck in case of emergency on the side of the road at midnight? What do you got tucked up under that bed, Chad? Are you asking me serious or are you making a joke because you assume no, this my is Ford serious. is going to break a, down? This is a serious question that we answer, and, and I'm going to tell you another funny story real quick. But you've got a spare tire under that truck, correct? Always. You're not going to send your wife or your daughter out on the road with four tires with a little area in them with no spare, correct? Heck no. So, so one of the questions that we answer is this. This is, this is a timeless – we've learned this over 14 years. This is timeless. 
they'll call on a Friday afternoon. They've got scuds of ducks. And for whatever freak reason, be it a big chunk of ice or a, or a log, they have broken the propeller. So some of the best, cheapest advice that I'll give to a customer is this. When you purchase a Malerview ice eater, go ahead and purchase one spare propeller. Hopefully you'll never need it. Chances are you won't. But if you do need it on a Friday afternoon, you don't have to pay a crazy overnight charge. Uh, you, you know, and you'll have it five minutes. You're back in the game, you know, back to, back to doing what we love to do the best. And uh, you don't have to wait two or three days to get a, to get a spare prop delivered to you. And you don't have to pay 50, 60, $70 for overnight charging. Okay. So before you go on to number three, I appreciate number one and number two wholeheartedly. How long does it take he or she to change out that prop if they, if they already have the spare? If you've got a pair of, uh, vice grips, you know, in your duck, in your, in your blind, uh, three minutes, all you do is clamp that set of vice grips on that stainless steel shaft, lefty, loosey, righty, tighty, standard threads, spin it off, spin your new one back on, you're back in the game. Three minutes. Okay. I'm going to time yeah. you when I see you this year. We can do it. All right. What's number that. three? Number three is, is, uh, you were talking a while ago about the midday roost hole and I was wanting to interrupt you, but you know, Missy, she, she's, she's with me a few times about interrupting. So I'll let you go ahead and, and I knew I could add it here on the end, but, uh, there, there's three kinds of, there's three kinds of duck hose. All right. Uh, of course it's that early morning first hole, ice eater hoe. The second deal is the midday roost hole that you, that you hit on so well. But the third deal is this, and we hear this so much, uh, and this is a very important piece of the Mallard View Pie, is this. You know, sometimes it just gets so cold, and I've seen this, and, I, and I'm not blind to this, and I don't turn a, a blind eye to this. It can get so so cold in an area that ducks may migrate down 10 or 15 miles one direction, okay? If you'll continue to run your ice eater, I can't tell you how many times and how many hundreds of customers we've had this exact conversation with. They will, they'll have two or three days of fabulous hunting over a Malerview honey hole because they've kept their hole open when those ducks come back a little bit looking for open water and they've got it and their neighbors don't. Wow. So you're talking about on the way back up. On the way back up, You're even now, if it, you know. So now that the now the Mallerview Ice Eater through the owner Josh Tishner has just become an imprinting tool. When the season could be closed, you're keeping the ice open to give them that visual and that sanctity and that security and safety. Saying, "Hey, we're on our way back up to breed on the breeding grounds for the rest of the winter and the spring and the summer. We're going to stop here. We're stopping here again. Now you're using it as an imprinting hole. Genius, Josh Tishner. How about that? nice buddy i we've like got, that we had guys we've had guys this is an interesting story we had a guy in the dakotas uh he called and, and he ordered three ice eaters and he he was on a friday and he overnighted three ice eaters for guaranteed saturday delivery paid almost two thousand dollars for guaranteed saturday delivery so he could take a chainsaw and put three ice eaters in 24 inches of ice so he could have uh, open water for his uh, for his geese to drink in because they they had to have water to drink. They had all the food in the world, but they had nothing to drink. So uh, he was providing them with with somewhere to get some water, and uh, that worked for him. You know, but it's just amazing the the amount of uh, dedication that some of these guys will go to, and the lengths of uh, what they'll spend. Uh, and I guess you could say due to poor preparation. <laughs> 
you know, but uh, it's just crazy what people will do once they see what these things will do and they got to have one. Well, Josh, I love it, man. That's freaking bad. I just love the story. It is so bad. You know what to know that you and your family have built the American dream, hard work, dedication, passion, ingenuity, foresight, vision, and just following through work ethic. I always say it. Dad said you're put on work to earth, uh, put on earth to work. You can have a great family, but you got to provide for them. And that your work ethic is unparalleled. The brand, the quality, the customer service, the intelligence, the insight that you can get from talking to Josh or listening to a conversation like this. If you want to see these Mallard View Ice Eaters in action, if you can't find what you're looking for on their website or our website, don't be afraid to reach out through to us through a direct message or Josh. We'll get that information to you and request video. I got hours and hours of how to put them in, how to keep them running, killing ducks over them, killing geese over them, the holes, the majesty, the photo ops that you're going to create by having these Mallard View Ice Eaters in your hole is going to blow your mind. You'll be framing them. Artists will be asking you if they could borrow one of your pictures to, to paint. And I'm not making that up. We get it all of the time. Ice Eaters have provided us so many memories, and that's the culture of Mallard View Ice Eater to me, is the memories that they have provided. The imprinting in not just what Josh is talking about, but the imprinting in my head and my memories and my stories I get to tell of what those Mallard ducks and those Canada geese do when they see an ice eater hold through Mallard View Outdoors eyes. So think about that when you're going into this duck season and make sure that you equip yourself and arm yourself with the tools that you're going to need to be successful, not just on opening day, but all throughout the entire season into the late season, because we want the last day of duck season to be as memorable as the first, because we all know how sad we get when it's over. So think about that. That's the culture of Mallard View Ice Eater to me. The Tishner family, congratulations, brother. Tell Missy I said hello. Thank you for being on the Foul Life podcast, and I can't wait to hunt with you and the boy. 16 years old, buddy that's why you shaved that beard today it's probably got more gray in it than mine them kids running your ragged an 18 year old daughter you better get more guns buddy you better buy more (laughs) guns josh tishner that's right appreciate you brother any closing words hey we just want everybody to know we appreciate them we uh you know our thoughts and our prayers are with the country right now and all the all the guys and gals on the front line we love you we're thinking about you we'll keep you in our prayers and thanks for everybody and man let's just get out there and get it done Yep, mallardviewoutdoors.com. You are going to be able to find them on the foullife.com and the Foul Life TV shows airing right now on the Outdoor Channel. Today's episode of the podcast, again, was brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear and our friends in Kentucky, the Bluegrass State, the Tishner family, Mallard View Outdoors. Check them out for all of your ice eater needs and enjoy the best season coming up 2020, 2021, when you make Mallard View Outdoors a part of it. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. I'm Chad Belling for Josh Tishner, for Melissa Tishner, the entire Tishner clan and crew at Mallard View Outdoors. Tom, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic, My Foul Life. Thank you all so much for listening. Mm-hmm.